0: Welcome to More Than a Muse podcast, a podcast all about women and the arts, hosted by Stani and Sadie.
1: Join us as we explore what it's like being a female artist, examine modern day problems, and educate ourselves and you on important and forgotten female artists of the
0: past. Hello everyone and welcome back to More Than a Muse. I'm Stani. And I'm Sadie. Welcome. We are a podcast that talks all about women in the arts, all facets of the arts and history. And I love it. It's a good time. Stani is going to be going to the Ayers tour this weekend. so. So by the time this comes out, yeah, you would have seen the show. I will have seen Taylor Swift in person for the first time
1: in my life. I forgot this is your first time seeing her live. I was too young before when she was in Utah because that was like junior high and high school. Mm -hmm. And then she stopped coming to Utah right when I finally had like my own income. Yes. And then it was just like too much hassle. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, we're going to the Vegas show this weekend night two, So I'm really excited about it. I'll have to report back yeah and then you of course have tickets but they're for the nashville show yeah i don't i don't get to go until may but i'm counting down the days
0: (laughs) it's been everywhere sorry we are also now talking about it on this podcast if you're tired (laughs) of eras content sorry you're listening to the wrong podcast probably we will be talking about taylor swift every now and then
1: (laughs) yeah we will but yeah i'm really excited it's gonna be really fun gonna be a really late night but
0: worth it. I'm excited to hear the report. Well, I can just dive into my artist today, if that's okay with you. Yes, let's do it. Who are we learning about? Today, we are learning all about Rita Moreno, who is, I think, one of the very last living golden age movie actresses. Ooh. I I think so. She was born in 1931, so she is in her 90s
1: 91 Mhm Can you imagine being born in the 30s I'm sorry but that's crazy to me It
0: like- is crazy I was watching the documentary on her last night which By the way, it's on Netflix and it's called Rita Moreno, Just a Girl Who Decided to Go For It. It was a really good documentary. She was in a lot of it because she's alive. And so it got a lot of, you know, interview moments with her. And I feel like the way that she tells her own story is so earnest because I think she's so able to equally talk about her strengths, but also her weaknesses. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. she is very aware of them and yeah i just think she is a very self-aware person she's been through a lot so i do want to put a couple just trigger warnings actually before we go into this episode there's i mean there's honestly a lot like sexual abuse and things that happened to her because of her race. She's Puerto Rican, by the way. And just, yeah, there's just a lot of things that happen. Obviously, we don't go into any detail, but I will tell the events and I have a couple quotes from her that are her relaying her experiences. So yeah, just letting you know that those topics will be briefly discussed in this episode. So just be aware of that. But yeah, the documentary was really great. I loved it. So I would definitely recommend it after you obviously finish listening to our episode first. But I did want to also, also shout out a previous podcast that you did. You covered anime Wong, mm-hmm. and I'm going to talk a little bit about it. But I didn't necessarily want to dive in so much because it, at this point it would be redundant because we already covered it on a previous episode. But a common problem in Golden Age Hollywood was the use of blackface, yellowface, brownface, all face, of the faces, all of the faces, and. I mean, Anime Wong dealt with that a lot, or I guess dealt with not getting the roles because they were just going to yeah. white women. And Rita Moreno did as well. She was kind of casted as a lot of races because she was Puerto Rican. And so they were like, oh, cool, you're not completely white. Now you get to play all of the ethnic characters. <laughs> I think
1: that, didn't that happen with Anime Wong too? They had her play a Hispanic character. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even though she's
0: Asian. Yes. Because <laughs> they were just like, sure, you're not white. You're not white. Here you go. But yeah. then in the movies still, like Rita Moreno would be covered in makeup that would make mm-hmm. her look darker, make her look different colors. And so I'll talk about that and I'll talk about her take on that. And I think the documentary does a really good job at exposing that, but also I don't like. Cause she has a lot of self-awareness of the things that yeah. were wrong, but also kind of like what choice did she have? I know that in the anime Wong episode, you talked about how a lot of golden age, or maybe we did. We also talked about our Hollywood starlets episode. So mm-hmm. it was one of those two episodes that we talked about how these actresses are put on contract for one specific movie studio. And it's pretty much like they just take whatever roles that that movie studio wants them to be doing. And they're like in contract for a certain amount of films for that specific studio. And so like, yeah. Like they're, they don't really have tons of options as far as like personal choice and what roles they choose, especially when they're trying to build a career and create a name for themselves. So anyways. Sucks.
1: It sucks. It is funny that we refer to it so much as like the golden age and really idolize it and everything when there was so much crap. There was
0: so much crap. (laughs) honestly (laughs) so she told i'm not gonna talk about it later in the episode so i'll tell it now but she talks about going to a party when she's very very young and just making her way into hollywood like she just moved to la and she just tells the events of two men i'm not gonna say it because it's very explicit it's very crude of things that they did to her one person just verbally abused her another person legitimately sexually abused her she tells a story about like going to the gardeners at the party who were just like working and she just looks at them and says I need to get out of here and they drove her home like they immediately drove her home and she talks about how she felt like they just they knew you know like she didn't yeah. say anything else she just said I, I want to go home or I need to go home and they just completely understood and she kind of makes a joke of like those were the first gentlemen that I met that night because everyone else was awful and so the gardeners yeah. were the gentlemen when of course the gardeners That's are so like nice. look down on because they're you know the servants seriously though because like i even have been hearing stuff lately about judy garland and like mm -hmm. they just
1: had her doped up for everything like yeah yeah she was a child star but like she was barely there and Mm -hmm. it was just because her parents were using her for a profit like it's just crazy to me like because they hadn't figured out how to do the whole like making movies thing Like, they were just treating people however they wanted to Mm -hmm. because they were making so much off of these films because it was the first time anything like that had been done. So it's just crazy. It's, like, definitely not actually,
0: like, a golden age that we should all, like, look back on. True. But also, I made the exact same comment to Jordan when we were watching it. The same. I'm like, oh, golden age of Hollywood. Like, this is horrible. And he was like, well, like, we don't know how much of that, like, do you think that it stopped is basically what he was saying. And granted, there's been more like vocal about the Me Too movement, but it's still going on and women are just barely feeling comfortable to start being vocal about it but even still men aren't except for harvey weinstein i think that's like the only person in my mind who's like actually legitimately been canceled but even still like that's one person and you know there's so many people who are slimy definitely
1: i will say like i think now there's more like policies and laws in place it doesn't mean they're being obeyed but at least like the structures there like, so there's like hope. There's <laughs> Yeah, that's
0: true, yeah,
1: that's true. <laughs> They're trying. But yeah, I definitely don't think that there has been like necessarily like a golden age of Hollywood.
0: Maybe that's something we're still aspiring to. Yeah, I agree. Well, to give a very brief overview of Rita, and then I will talk a little bit more about her life and everything that happened in her career. So Rita Moreno was born Rosa Dolores Alviero Marcano, December 11th of 1931. She's a Puerto Rican dancer, actress, and singer. And and she's obviously noted for her work on stage and screen in careers spanning over seven decades. She is one of the last remaining stars from the golden age of Hollywood, so maybe not the last, but one of the last. Among her numerous accolades, she is one of few performers to have been awarded an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony, which is EGOT. the EGOT and the Triple Crown of Acting, with individual competitive Academy Emmy and Tony Awards. She also received the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2004, which is okay. incredible. The National medal of arts in 2009 the screen actors guild life achievement award in 2019 and a peabody award in 2019 so just every award literally everything another thing we were watching the documentary last night and jordan was like oh who are we watching who are you covering and i was like oh rita moreno she's the only latina egot winner and one of the very first ones to hit that and he was Mm -hmm. like i've never even heard of her name before and wow it's almost like that's why i do this podcast is to share the names of people that you don't just immediately recognize yeah but her most popular roles included her role in singing in the rain and the king and i but then her big breakout role was anita in west side story which earned her the oscar for best supporting actress becoming the very first latin woman to win an academy award
1: who did we talk about that did one of the voices for the king and i the ghost
0: singer Yeah. Marnie Nixon? Marnie Nixon. She was the voice overdub for the lead, not for Rita Moreno. Oh, okay. Rita Moreno was a, a supporting gotcha. role in that, but Marnie it Nixon. It was Deborah Kerr? Yes. Deborah Kerr. Mm-hmm. Was it just
1: that, or was she also in Singing in the Rain? Was she the... Marnie Nixon also was the
0: overdub in Singing in the Rain. Wow. Rita and Moreno and Marnie Nixon just hanging out in all these films. <laughs> wow, I wonder if they knew each other. Probably. If that was not clear, we've done an episode on Marnie Nixon, who was a ghost singer for a lot of movies and Gold in age hollywood including singing in the rain and the king and i but not for rita moreno for the actual ladies
1: if if rita moreno has won a grammy then obviously we know she can sing
0: yes and she absolutely can sing even in her documentary when at the time it came out she's like 88 which not that 80 year olds can't sing but their voices are definitely older and aging but oh she would Mm -hmm. sing a little bit here and there and I was like oh she is so good like it's just so apparent how good she is I just love her okay it's amazing well let me talk a little bit about her early life and her career she was born in Puerto Rico to Rosa Maria a seamstress and Francisco Jose Paco Alviero who was a farmer she was actually nicknamed Rosita and her mother was 17 at the time of her birth Moreno's mother moved to New York City in 1936, taking her daughter, but not her son. So this was when Rita was only five years old that her and her mom moved to New York. Her younger brother, Francisco, she did not actually see him again until 2021. What's crazy is that in the documentary, it came out in 2021 and when they were filming it, she said, "And I never saw my brother again. So it must've been since they filmed for the documentary that she actually did find her brother and see him again. Which is crazy.
1: That's a long time to go without seeing a family member, especially like almost a hundred years yeah like she was a movie star and like some really top films like
0: Mm -hmm. didn't have the resources to find
1: him that sucks yeah i don't
0: know if they just didn't know who he was or where he was it's it was very sad so i was happy to learn later that she actually did meet him again it was just not until after the documentary so she just her and her mom are in new york and she adopted the surname of her first stepfather edward moreno which is what led her to be called rita moreno oh okay who was her mom's second husband and she spent her teen Years living in the villages of Valley Stream on Long Island, part of the town of Hempstead dead bordering New York City what I thought was interesting is documentary talked a lot about the racism that was happening in New York City in 1930s when all of these immigrants were coming in from countries all Mm. over the world and she talked a lot about how if you would walk down certain blocks you would be called names you would be called really really horrible things and she talked a lot about what that did to her just her self-esteem obviously as a young girl but also just like immediately almost like cemented the way that she viewed herself I don't know like in society, I guess, but yeah, I thought it was a really interesting part of it, and honestly, it kind of reminded me of literally what West Side Story is about. So yeah, I was I was thinking it was really cool, and they were talking about that. That I was like, she literally goes on to basically play herself in a way, navigating that just as this new character Anita who better for the role then literally who yeah. better for the role but she began her first dancing lesson soon after she arrived to New York with actually okay with a Spanish dancer known as Paco Cancino who was the paternal uncle of the film star Rita Hayworth fun fact when she was 11 years old she actually lent her voice to Spanish language versions of American films and she had her first Broadway role Broadway role as Angelina in Skydrift by the age of 13, which caught the attention of Hollywood talent she told this story about them going to meet an executive from MGM and they go to the hotel and they're told by him to meet at the penthouse but they didn't know what a penthouse was and so (laughs) when they got there and they got to the elevator they didn't like they had no idea even what to do or how to get there so she tells the story about her mom like goes up to the front desk woman and is like what what is penthouse how do i get to the penthouse and apparently the woman said in like a very stern condescending tone of like go to the elevator and push ph and then she's like and then we got in and we shot straight up to the top of the building and (laughs) I just thought that was a very endearing story that it really just shows that I don't know it's a rags to riches kind of story here where like they didn't even know what a penthouse was or how to even find that in a building that's
1: crazy Mm -hmm.
0: so her film career began in the later years of the golden age of Hollywood after she had this meeting with this MGM executive her and her mother moved to LA to a cottage within walking distance of MGM she talked about how it had to be within walking distance because not only did they not have a car but neither of them even knew how to drive and i mean she was Mm -hmm. young at this point so that was out of necessity but she acted steadily in films throughout the 1950s usually in smaller roles some of these include the toast of new orleans in 1950 but then in 1952 she appeared in the musical comedy film Singing in the Rain alongside Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds. In the Mm -hmm. film, she actually played the silent film star Zelda Zanders and she loved this role she loves gene kelly too like she only said good things about him she described having gotten the role by gene kelly just quote wanting her in the movie and that she seemed to fit the role for him she actually really praised him for casting her in this non-stereotypical hispanic role saying that he never said oh she's too latina he just thought i'd be fine for it and she called the experience working in the film as amazing and a privilege so I thought that was really cool. And I guess a shout out to Jean Kelly, where at the time she's only getting cast in these really, really small roles as the quote unquote Hispanic character or, you know, ethnic character. Yeah. And that's why people wanted her. But then he was just like, oh, I think she's good for the role, so I want her in it. And it had nothing to do with the fact that she was Hispanic. And she's amazing in that role. That movie's insane. It sucks
1: that like sometimes you have to look at it and you're like, oh yeah, like crediting a man, you know, for helping her with her career. But then at the same time, it's like everybody needs someone to get them in the door. Yeah, exactly. And And, and, like how wonderful is it that he was able to like not be like too prejudiced against her race at that point to be able to allow something like that to happen so that
0: She could, you know, go on to have the career and influence that she did have. Exactly. And just to say like, hey, I know you're being typecasted in these roles, but that's not why I'm casting you. It's just because I think you're you're an amazing actress and I think you'll kill this role. And like I said, she did. Because she obviously disliked most of the film work that she did during this period. She felt that the roles that were given to her were very stereotypical. These are some quotes that she has said about the roles that MGM cast her at the beginning of her career. I didn't necessarily mention all of the movies that she was in before Singing in the Rain. They're they're all really problematic though. I mean, they're ones that I haven't heard of but just so many stories stories of like oh the island girl who's in love with the white man coming to visit or so many like Native American movies where she's the Indian you know falling in love with the cowboy and just so many type of movies like that but she said I got native girls I got Pacific Island girls I got Egyptian girl parts anything but just acting roles they were all very specific they called for an accent or two that I wasn't even familiar with so I made up my own accents thinking that they would enhance the parts they all sounded Puerto Rican actually I always sounded like this because it's the only accent I understood and nobody ever said what are you doing what the hell is that because I would have answered well I'm trying to provide a foundation for this girl this part but nobody asked nobody cared and it's so odd when i look back that is so weird Mm -hmm. something i never thought about where she just gives them a vague accent because she's like well i guess i have to and not once was somebody like but that's not this accent like they just yeah. heard her sounding not not American white. not white and they're like yep cool that, that'll that do it that's, that's that great that is so messed up
1: yeah like, uh, there's people who study like think of Austin Butler over there crying <laughs> he like learns how to be Elvis for two years mm-hmm. now he can't snap out of it and then like these people could care less could whether care or not you less. actually sounded like your part exactly gosh I mean thank heavens like she was trying you know like she put effort in but like mm-hmm. gosh I'm glad it's not like that anymore plus it sucks like you can't just google what does this accent sound true
0: like? oh there my gosh anything there i literally honestly didn't even think about that but it's like if she hadn't <laughs> met someone from those islands yeah. or- that's like completely on the movie studio because
1: there's like <laughs> dialect coaches for that kind of thing you can't just like tell someone like sound egyptian
0: good luck yeah (laughs) (laughs) but i guess she just put on mild puerto rican accent and no one said anything because no one cared to be honest and that's yeah that's bad yeah that's a very good indicator of what it was like and how much they actually are respecting those characters Uh, yeah so this is her about having to darken her skin for film roles she said i rarely rarely ever saw my own color when i did movies when i first went to MGM I played a Cajun girl from New Orleans so they actually used my own skin color but as I got older and had more of a career I kept getting darker and darker and darker West Side Story was worse that was like mud it was so thick and it was so dark that our faces could streak and show our real color underneath and I remember saying to a makeup man once I don't know why I have to be this color this is not my color and he actually said to me as he was making me up what are you racist I didn't even know what to say to him. Oh my gosh. Yeah, literally. She is playing a Puerto Rican woman who moved to New York as a Puerto Rican woman who immigrated to New York. And they're like, no, you need to be darker. And when she tries to say something about it, they're like, "Whoa, are you racist? No, but you are. You are. That is absolutely
1: insane. Yes. It's like she already was the race she needed to be. They didn't have to. They, they didn't only have to do out. it,
0: but yeah, they did. Bit of a trigger warning for this. I'm going to talk about her sexual assault. Skip the next couple minutes if you want to. But she talked about in her documentary that her very first agent in hollywood actually raped her she said the very first time i spoke about it was when i did the documentary i mentioned it in my book also my biography but it's heartbreaking by the way i ran into this man this agent about five years ago in palm springs because it turned out he had booked me in a concert that i was going to do there and i saw his face and i thought oh my it's him and you know what he told me about being asked he said i'm sorry i didn't make you pregnant because that was the whole idea then you would have been beholden to me forever I was speechless i was absolutely speechless i just said excuse me and i left the room i was dumbstruck what do you say there's a, a lot of is, profanities there but she because she was like what do you say she's like you know what i'm glad i didn't say anything because that would have probably already opened too many doors that is the most disgusting thing
1: i've ever heard
0: literally the most disgusting thing i think i've ever heard so just like the abuse you know that yeah. she suffered over and over again as a young woman in the 40s and 50s trying to navigate hollywood i guess 50s through 60s i guess mainly but that's not the point it's sick and it's gross just how many stories that she was telling about the way men would advance on her and she even talked about the fact that like after that incident happened she actually kept him as her agent for a long time after because it was almost you she's like didn't I didn't know what choice. to do and yeah. and I I mean it was really sad she was like I think that I just thought so little of myself that almost it didn't it. like it was so sad it was so devastating to hear her talk about that and she talks about I think a lot in the documentary of just like the way that these things can still hurt her even though she is now an 80 something year old woman that she can still feel those effects from those abuse in her, you know. Oh, and
1: there's probably so much more that like she hasn't talked about you know that like mm-hmm. when it's happening that consistently and that constantly for that long like to be honest she probably doesn't remember all True. Of the incidences of racism and sexism that she experienced and that's what makes it even worse in a lot of ways That is it's just like she's probably only telling us like 20 percent. well she's
0: probably only remembering like the, <laughs> the the biggest ones but that doesn't even yeah. count just like the almost probably everyday occurrences of you know Certainly constant abuse. Yeah. fans
1: sounds like everyone.
0: She told this story about I can't remember the name of the movie, but essentially what happens is she's like a Native American girl who's in love with a cowboy or maybe it was some island girl that was in love with the white man visiting. I don't know. Both are horrible. <laughs> but she like falls off the cliff as she's like despairing over the fact that he won't be with her anymore. And when they were filming her laying in the water dead she said that there were little jellyfishes that were right around her that were stinging her and so she was moving because there were jellyfish stinging her and the director yelled at her and was like why are you moving you're supposed to be dead and she was like there's jellyfish he pretty much was like well shut up shut up and lay there and be pretty and so she she did because that was her job. And she talked a lot about the fact that she's like, that really solidified how they viewed me, how they viewed this character. Yeah, That it didn't matter. That I was literally being stung by mini jellyfish. And I was very uncomfortable that that's not, you know, it just, it was sick. Just how many little anecdotes like that, that I was just like, what? That is so what? horrible. It is horrible. Okay, so now I wanna talk about West side story because despite the fact that she did have to darken her skin for this role it was actually a amazing experience for her in 1961 she landed the role of Anita in the movie version of the Broadway musical West Side Story so something that she said about it she said, there was no such thing then certainly not for little Puerto Rican girls like me to play an on-screen Latino role model you know and so she talked yeah. about the fact that she never had that as a little child and so it was such a cool thing to finally be able to play that and what she said was what was important about anita to me and still is is that anita believe it or not was the only part i ever remembered where i represented hispanics in a dignified and positive way she says it represented a lot of breakthroughs for young actors of hispanic origin what i thought was crazy is she nearly didn't take the part just before she signed the west side story contract she remembered a troubling verse in the song america in which she'd have to sing puerto rico you ugly island island of tropic disease and she said, it suddenly occurred to me, oh, I can't sing that. I can't do this yeah. to my people. She says that she was like so close to turning down the role before Stephen Sondheim, at the request of a producer, changed the lyric to Puerto Rico, my heart's devotion, let it sink back in the ocean. And then she said, oh. and that's how Stephen Sondheim saved me from turning down this magnificent role. I mean, obviously, this song is like about hating Puerto Rico and liking America better. But I think she was like, no, I can't call it ugly because it's not. It's like my beautiful home. It's my beautiful island. So they changed it a little bit. So she would at least be comfortable singing that, which I thought that was
1: cool. At least they changed it. It's kind of more clever lyrics. Yeah. Puerto Rico, my heart's devotion. Let us sink back, back into, into the, the ocean. ocean. You know? Yeah. Way more clever than
0: just like bashing it. Literally, like you ugly <laughs> island full of yeah, ugly it's diseases. Not. We all know Puerto Rico's beautiful. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> oh, um, and so for her role in Anita, which by the way, I mean, that movie's amazing. And she did amazing in it. I remember watching West Side Story for the first time in like my seventh grade theater class. Mm-hmm. Completely just in awe. And Anita, she stole the show. I think yeah. so personally. She's my favorite character so she won an oscar for it she was actually filming a movie in the philippines when she found out that she was nominated for the oscar and she said i was absolutely positive that judy garland was going to win for judgment at nuremberg but then rita won the golden globe and so she was like okay wait maybe there's a chance so she decided to fly to california for the oscar ceremony from the Philippines just in case that she won. That's awesome. Quote: She said, I flew into California thinking, hey, if there's one, I would have a chance that I may win. I need to be there. But she was against Garland, Faye Bainter, Lotlena, and Una Merkel. So she thought that Judy Garland would be the one who takes it. (laughs) Leading up to the ceremony, she was really pessimistic about her chances. She said that she practiced her loser face and made up speeches about how it was a lousy movie and she didn't want it anyway. But obviously, that's (laughs) not true. But then she did win. She says I didn't expect to win. No one who's watched it can argue that. They put the video of her accepting the award in the documentary. It's so sweet. She like walks to the stage and you can tell she's so excited, but she talks about how in her mind she was like don't run because it's not dignified. <laughs> what I love this. She said I remember thinking very clearly Do not thank anyone. They didn't give you the part as a favor. They were forced to give it to you because you did the best screen test. And she actually delivered one of the shortest acceptance speeches in Oscars history. She said, I can't believe it. Good Lord. I leave you with that. And it lasted just seven seconds. Wow.
1: I kind of love that. That Mm -hmm. is like an iconic move to feel like they had to give me this role. Like I don't owe anyone this. Because I was just
0: the best person for
1: this role. And
0: I killed it. And she said, I ran out of anything to say once I decided I wasn't going to say thank you. And then another quote is, I've been trying to make up for it with long acceptance speeches ever since. (laughs) That's cute. Uh So there is a bright light in her career. But unfortunately, after becoming the first Latina actor to win an Oscar for West Side Story she expected a lot of more opportunities to follow but after that offered even more stereotyped roles as like the woman in gang movies or housewives and Movies that were painting Hispanics in not a very good light. She said, I remember thinking after the movie came out and after the Oscars happened, wow, my career is made, but I became this dark skinned girl who at the time was really a typecasting thing that almost ended my career in the years leading up to West Side Story. Like I mentioned, she had performed, affected what she called the universal accent, specializing in island girl roles, spending her days in loca, off-the-shoulder blouses and hoop earrings, prancing shoeless amid palm trees and cane backgrounds and studio photographs. I talk like this all the time, and I'm not going to demonstrate the accent that she would do. I feel like that would be inappropriate for me too. But (laughs) the words that she would say is, why you love me no more, why you like white girl, why you take gold from my people. And Mm. those were the roles that she was doing. After the Oscars, she basically begged her agent to submit her name for better parts or to ask producers and directors if they could at least let her read a scene. But no one was taking her. One producer who declined to meet with her, she said, was really blunt and said, my agent said, you're Anita, he just wouldn't see you because it wasn't a part that was Latina. It was a part that had no nationality at all. And that really broke my heart. It all means
1: it can she be It means it can be her. I
0: know. It's, that is so stupid. It is so sad, and she talked about too, like that they were all so offensive, and that it was the heartbreak of her life. That after that amazing accomplishment, that it was so hard, and she did not end up making another movie for seven years after that.
1: Oh man, mm-hmm. I feel like that is kind of a curse that
0: happens when yeah. you're too
1: good at a role. No one can see it as anything other than that character for quite a while.
0: Exactly, and then they just wanted to put her in more, yeah, more roles that were exactly like the character, but like the more worse offensive one yeah Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. instead of like noble exactly so today I am spotlighting actually a dear friend of mine and before we started recording this I was like maybe I shouldn't keep sharing my friends why? That's stupid. I want to brag about my friends. Okay, so her name's Crystal. Crystal B. She's a singer and a songwriter and a producer. She's in South Florida. She's a friend of mine. And you want to know what? She's a great songwriter. And she has a song coming out called Better Off on April 14th that you can pre save. And I will tell you, as someone who has heard it, well, heard the demo, I actually don't think I ever heard the final version. But Mm -hmm. I've heard the demo and the demo was killer. So you know what? That just shows that the final song is going to be great. She kind of reminds me of Adele in like her music style. At least this one does. It's like a pop ballad. So if you're feeling like, hmm, I want some sad pop girl ballads, you should go follow my friend Crystal B. Music. She's awesome. Yeah, not only does she make great art, but I think she's a great person. So there you go. I have a new guilty pleasure.
1: Ooh. And that is The Sims. (laughs) Ah, nice. (laughs) They made the game free for those who don't know. So you don't have to pay anything, but the packs all cost money.
0: The game but is you,
1: free? But the game is free.
0: I can just get it on my computer right now. Yes, you can. <gasps> okay. And thank you get you. to make
1: little people. It's kind of like grown up Barbies and I'm obsessed. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is
0: good to know. <laughs> yeah.
1: It is so tempting to spend money because like cuter furniture and clothes and everything are the packs. But I will say like the base game itself has plenty of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it is so fun decorating little houses and like making little people like and then they fall in love and it's very cute. Mm -hmm. So there are some TikTokers I found who have been doing some like really cool house builds. Amazing. Yeah. (laughs) guys. I'm so obsessed with this stupid (laughs) computer game it is so fun it is like the easiest way to decompress after a long day i like come home and i'm like living little lives (laughs) and there's cheat codes so you don't have to like worry about mother load
0: yeah as a child my mom would not let me have sims i don't necessarily know why but like whatever it is that's probably all the woohooing oh that's true you can woohoo that's (laughs) probably why i was not allowed (laughs) to have sims my cousin had it but she had a no woohoo rule anyways so whenever i had a sleepover with my cousin it basically just turn into i would just sit at the computer and just want to play sims which i'm sure she yeah. loved but i always got annoyed because she just wanted to build more houses and i was like oh. no i want to live the lives of these yeah. characters so i, I can thoroughly finally live both. out my- yeah. yeah
1: and planning out their outfits for every occasion amazing even better like i said huh? grown-up barbies yeah anyway but they have these two so they're twins their names are karen and connie both with c's mm-hmm. so it's c-a-r-y-n and connie c-o-n-n-i-e they have a youtube channel too and i think they play other games but like i'm just watching the sims content but they've yeah. done some fun stuff where they like rolled the dice and then made all of the rooms the same size they did like a three by three house and they like share little tricks for different ways that you can like place stuff in mm. areas and then the ones that are that they build they actually make available in the gallery so you can download the houses that they made and then wow. you don't have to spend
0: forever trying to figure it out yourself because it is a little tricky <laughs> that is my problem is i <laughs> yeah. it just takes so long and i get bored if i'm yep. being
1: honest so they use a lot of packs but they do have a few that are just base game only ones, mm, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that I've downloaded. I have used two of their houses. Nice. And they're great. I just think it's fun. It's like a little interior design. <laughs> I love this so much. It's just really enjoyable. I feel like a, a grown-up kid, and it yeah. makes me so happy. I highly recommend if you didn't know, or if you've never played, mm-hmm.
0: go download it. Time to get Sims play. Yeah. So now I'm going to talk about her relationship with Marlon Brando, who was like one of the it men from the golden Hollywood era from 1954 to 1962 she was in an on and off again relationship with Marlon Brando the, you know I don't think he sounds like a great guy very abusive emotionally maybe physically I don't know but they were not good for one another and she, she makes a joke there's a clip from her like performing a concert and she was like you know that feeling when you're just so obsessed with someone and you just can't like bear to be away from them that's how Marlon felt about himself and I was just like yeah okay because you think that she's gonna be like that's how I felt about him nope that's how he felt about himself oh, that is too funny a couple just trigger warnings for the next little bit if you don't want to hear heavy things skip a couple things that happened so she actually revealed in her memoir that she actually became pregnant with Brando but he arranged for an abortion the abortion was botched and when she went home she was bleeding and she bled as the fetus died inside her and she had to be rushed to the hospital to have it surgically removed and then soon after that brando fell in love with his co-star from mutiny on the bounty but yet would still like return to her on and off i don't know exactly when the pregnancy and abortion happened Mm -hmm. but she actually like went on to attempt suicide. And she she admits that like in the documentary that she's like, I feel like it really was because of Marlon Brando, but she talks about how like she was almost like so deep in like the pits of despair where she was like, I just like didn't feel like I deserve to live anymore. And she said, my relationship with Marlon depended on what was happening at my psychotherapist. He would be very helpful, but then I would succumb to Marlon's charms and go back to him for the 20th time. The only thing that really stopped it, and that was my intention at the time, Was my attempted suicide. I couldn't take being humiliated anymore, and I found out that I was my own worst enemy, so it was my intention. The objective of this attempted suicide was to get rid of this relationship. She survived that, obviously, and then that I think was finally the thing that you know, was at least able to stop her. Like, uh, in the documentary, she talked about, like, the, like, after that, I think she really did realize how horrible that was and was able to finally separate herself completely from this person. A little more light-hearted note, apparently she dated Elvis to make Marlon jealous. <laughs> so for a short while there, she said, I had the two kings of different things, show business royalty, and it was to make Marlon jealous, really. And he was a sweet fellow. He was very simple, and he was boring, Elvis. Which... <laughs> this is a elvis hate podcast so yes we are just fine with that (laughs) we do not like elvis
1: call him boring all you want
0: Mm -hmm. oh i meant to read this earlier too but she said i saw marlon brando as a person who was very strong i had a very warped and twisted notion of what a real man was like to me that was marlon he was it he was the king of movies and the king of everything A story that I loved hearing was after their relationship ended in 1962. In 1968, they were actually, they co-starred in a movie together. Oh, Oh, that would suck. Yeah. The night (laughs) of the following day. But she said that there's a moment where the woman character is confronting the man. I think about the fact that he's like out with other women. She talks about how like in that moment that she was filming, she like lost it and was screaming at him. And I think she said something like just snapped in her. But that they kept filming it and that that ended up being in the movie. And so she was like, I felt like in my way, that was like my revenge on him that like I got to just snap on him like that. And then they kept it in the movie.
1: It would be so hard not to. Mm -hmm. Like, you're standing in front of someone who's betrayed you, that you trusted, and then someone's saying, Here, tell them exactly how you feel, and it lines up perfectly. Like, how could you not? How could you not? That was probably like a really great moment of like closure, too. Yes. That is, like, he couldn't get mad at her for being honest either because, like,
0: oh, it was just for the role. I'm just really good at acting. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's almost (laughs) like the perfect circumstance for her to like get out what she obviously needed to get out. I'm a little jealous of that. Honestly, Honestly, I mean, I'm like, personally, I mean, I just like released a whole EP of things, but no, like I didn't have that deniability and I'd never got to say it to their face. So yeah, I guess it's not as sweet. <laughs> Anyways. So in 1965, she actually met her husband who's a cardiologist named Leonard Gordon, who became her manager actually after he retired from medicine. They actually remained together until his death in 2010. And they had one daughter together named Fernanda Gordon Fisher and two grandsons to be honest i don't think they had like a when i first was like oh my gosh they met and they were married till he died i don't think they actually had the greatest relationship she says mm-hmm. so herself that she not, wasn't necessarily as happy with him but that she says she, she you know she did love him but that she had she considered leaving him many times but never did to avoid breaking up her family but she did get married the late 60s but in the 70s from 1971 to 1977 she was a main cast member on the PBS children's series The Electric Company she actually screamed the show's opening line hey you guys which I know that catchphrase I didn't know where it was from and I didn't know she said it so same there's, that's cool that's where that comes from her, but her roles on the show included Millie the Helper the naughty little girl Pandora and Otto a very short-tempered director Morgan Freeman was also on that show with her I did not know that but I was very pleased to learn that and in the documentary they had little scenes of them acting together in it and it was very cute was he young you saw a younger Morgan Freeman yeah he was definitely young that weirds me out in my head he's just eternally an old man yeah <laughs> I know what you mean yeah. there's like some actresses or actors like that that I'm like no you've always looked like that but <laughs> yeah. anyways and it was actually through the electric company that she won her Grammy they got a Grammy for best children's album So that's where her Grammy comes from. In theater, she starred as the character Googie Gomez in the 1975 musical The Ritz and that earned her the Tony for Best Featured Actress in a Musical which is really cool and she actually reprised the role in the next year for the film version of it which got her a BAFTA Award for Best Actress nomination. She really has just gotten everything. Gotten everything. What I thought was crazy is her first Emmy Award comes from her appearance on The Muppet Show and And that earned her the Emmy Award for Outstanding Individual Performance in a Variety or Music Program. So best,
1: best way to win an Emmy.
0: Best way. And she talks about how like amazing of an experience actually that was to be on the Muppet show.
1: I like I have heard nothing bad about mm-hmm. The Muppet Show. And that makes me so happy. Right? Because there are so many ways that it could have gone wrong. <laughs> right? Uh, <but laughs> and and yet yeah,
0: everyone just talks about what a delight it was mm-hmm. to interact in that part of Hollywood. I know. <laughs> so. It made me so happy here too to like hear how great that was. But as a result yeah. of her winning the Emmy from being in The Muppet Show, she became the third person after Richard Rodgers and Helen Hayes, so the second woman ever, to have won an Oscar, 1962, a Grammy, 1972, a Tony, 1975, and then an Emmy in 1977, frequently referred to as an EGOT. And then she actually won another Emmy the following year in 1978 for a primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actress in a drama series for her betrayal in a TV show called The Rockford Files. What I thought was really cool is there was a little interview moment in the documentary. Sorry, I keep referencing the documentary, but it was just so good. So go watch it. No, you're good. With Whoopi Goldberg. And she talked about the fact that she was like, no one was calling it an EGOT at the time. We were all just working and we were just working so much. And then eventually like years later they were like oh wait that was really cool that you managed to get all of these awards and then that's when they called it an egot so it's not like when she finally won the emmy she was like i finally did it i have the emmy it's just you know it was something that happened because she was just so busy but she just kept working throughout the 80s and the 90s in 1993 she was invited to perform at president bill clinton's inauguration and later that month was asked to perform at the white house in 2000 she released an album of songs and then As of, I think the last season came out in 2019, but she plays the matriarch of a Cuban-American family in a Netflix sitcom called One Day at a Time. I think I watched that. Yeah, uh uh-huh, which is a remake from the 1975-84 to sitcom. The first season premiered in January of 2017, and there's now three seasons of it. So I thought that was cool that literally she's still working. In 2021, she starred in the newest adaption of West Side Story, She actually plays a newly created character called Valentina, which I thought was really cool. The film was released on December 10th of 2021, and Justin Ching of NPR wrote, 60 years later, Moreno is an executive producer on Spielberg's West Side Story. She also gives a poignant performance in the new role of Valentina, the widow of Doc, the drugstore owner. By her presence, Moreno teaches us how to approach this movie as both an affectionate tribute and a gentle corrective, which I thought was really cool. That's
1: perfect. I'm glad they had her as a producer as well like make sure that it
0: yeah maintained the integrity it deserved absolutely and then of course her documentary came out in 2021 which actually was produced by Lynn manuel miranda which i thought was really cool and it premiered at the sundance film festival and then okay she has two roles coming out this year in 2023? I know one of them because (laughs) I've seen the previews everywhere. Yeah, okay, so one of them is a sports comedy called 80 for Brady about four elderly women who travel to see Tom Brady and the New England Patriots play at Super Bowl 17. And
1: can I just say, what a more iconic cast. There there has never been a more iconic cast, mm -hmm. and I think it was the press videos of these four Mm -hmm. that went viral and
0: I was like, we need to talk
1: about these women. Okay. Right? I
0: literally had never heard of it. I don't know how yeah. I missed it. But then last <laughs> night after we watched the documentary, Jordan's like, oh, she's an 80 for Brady. I was like, what are you talking about? I yeah. looked it up. What? I, it has Jane Fonda, uh-huh. Jane Fonda, Rita
1: Moreno, Sally Field and Lily Tomlin.
0: Yeah. And it's based on a true story. <laughs> (laughs)
1: i didn't know that yes (laughs) and they have tom brady in it like good for him he needs something to do
0: (laughs) i mean yeah it came out last month in february so maybe we should do a 80 for brady watch party (laughs) i am totally on board with that that (laughs) sounds wonderful me yeah so down also this year in 2023 she is set to play abuela Toretto the grandmother of dom jacob and mia in the fast and furious film fast 10 so they've made 10 of those yeah i haven't actually <laughs> seen any of them not me trying either. to be a pick me or whatever i just never got around uh, isn't to not that kind of the opposite of a oh, pick me that's true i don't know what
1: to pick me and what's not anymore not to like trying like,
0: to be quirky and say i haven't seen this like <laughs> big popular franchise but i haven't i am sorry because it's Maybe yeah. I'll watch the 10th one for Rita Moreno and Rita Moreno There you only. go. She was also in 9 to 5. Yeah, the, the TV show version of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's not the up. movie, but the TV show. So yeah, I did not even mention all of the things that she's done. I just, at a certain point, I was just going to be listing this, all yeah, these fair. things. And granted, a lot of the TV shows and things I hadn't necessarily heard of, but like what was cool is she talked about how, oh, wait, let me remember the TV show. Oh yeah. Like in the late nineties, she got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame and she was like, oh, I really hope this revitalizes my career. And then it did. She got this reoccurring role in this TV show called Oz is like a nun in a prison i think who like works okay. with the prison mates anyways i had personally never seen oz but popular tv show that happened from 1997 to 2003 she was a recurring character on that and that was kind of because of after she got the star on the walk of fame but yeah so so many wow. things that she was a part of just to recap all of her awards and achievements She has the triple crown of acting, EGOT. She has a Golden Globe, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She was inducted into the California Hall of Fame. In 2013, she received the Screen Actors Guild Life Achievement Award, which is presented to her by Morgan Freeman. She has won numerous other honors, like I mentioned, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. President Barack Obama presented her with the National Medal of Arts, and then, like I mentioned before as well, the Peabody Career the Achievement sack. in 2019. And she's still going. I hope she has
1: a little trophy room just full of everything. Yes.
0: oh, It shows it. there's this bookshelf with just like all of her trophies on full display. And it, it yeah, it's amazing. Good. If you get to that level, you should always have yes. a wall of trophies. Like show them <laughs> off. It's yeah. what you deserve for working as That's hard as really you did. a really big deal. There is the life, the legend, the legacy of Rita Moreno. And I just can't wait to see what else she does i know we've got like
1: betty white made it to 100 mm-hmm. hopefully we've got 10 more years with rita moreno uh, marina reno and Jane fonda and lily Tomlin, and sally field yeah <laughs>
0: and you know what maybe join us watching 80 for brady this <laughs> yeah. this week i want to see it yeah where can
1: you even watch it well i, I mean out. it
0: just came out so i'm sure it's not on any streaming services but well,
1: you can rent on some of them now they're like true and immediately out
0: Anyway. Or we can always just watch the original West Side story or the new West Side story. Or back to back, both of them. West Side Story Movie Marathon. I call it. Anyways. I love that so much. She is iconic. She's so much fun too. It's hard to like explain a person in a podcast episode, but I just I loved her. I loved her so much, and so you should go watch a documentary and fall in love with her too. And I mean, like I mentioned, she has books. She has a biography. She has a memoir. She's lots yeah. of
1: good content. She's
0: awesome. Well, thank you for joining us this week and listening. I hope you enjoyed Women's History Month and that you enjoyed learning more about women. Same. And I think that's everything. Leave us a review if you have been in enjoying the show or go send it to your your friends help us grow get some love to more than amuse and and you're your our muse. Yes.
1: You can follow us on Instagram. We have a newsletter and we'll see you next Monday next month with more. We've got a packed year, guys. Yep. <laughs> a packed year. So many episodes we're both really really excited about. So definitely stay tuned, mm-hmm. come back every week. Promise it'll be a grand old time.